Hello everybody, this is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. I'm excited once again to have a, a great guest on today who's going to share his story with you. His name is Nelson Lee. Welcome. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Yeah. we. Uh, his aunt is a really good friend of mine. I went to high school with her, Andrea, and uh, she kind of uh, reached out to me and lined this up, so I'm grateful for her, and so a shout out to her. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Andrea. <laughs> she is awesome. Yeah, she really is. She's amazing, And uh, but I do appreciate you taking some time to come out to talk with us. I, I want to thank our sponsor, uh, Veracity Networks, uh, and uh, for making this uh, possible, so thank you so much. And for your listeners, once again, thank you for taking the time, and here's, you know, get ready for another great story. So Nelson Lee, uh, you know, you have a company called uh, Building Brainwaves. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Tell us a little bit about that right so, off the bat here. So really, that was the brainchild that came out of my experience with anxiety, OCD, and depression, and a lot of the gaps that I found trying to get better from that and trying to improve my mental health. And I found that there were a lot of things that were missed either by therapists or um, just education-wise that I really mm -hmm. benefited from yeah. over the years. And so Building Brainways is all about filling those gaps. Very cool. Well, we'll get more into that. I'm excited to hear more about that. You know, growing up, you said you struggled with, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder and some anxiety and depression as well. And, uh, you know, paralyze you from doing certain things in your life and cause some pain and heartache in your life but uh it, you know it's cool how you've taken that challenge and you've you're now doing a, you know, this company called uh, building brainwaves and uh so i i'm excited to hear all this and to hear your perspective on this and i think our listeners will learn from this as well so but let's first start give us a little background on you a little where you grew up and a little bit about your family yeah so i grew up in draper utah I feel like I had a, a really standard um, childhood and, and adolescence. Mm -hmm. Grew up with a great family, uh, went to Alta High School. My high school years were also very normal. Played lacrosse, was really big into outdoor right sports like mountain biking and skiing and you know had a really solid friend group, that type of thing. So yeah. there really weren't any red flags growing up. Things seemed pretty normal. Well, did you did you notice though at a younger age that you, you felt... Uh this anxiety that you say you struggled with or the, you know, the OCD? What's interesting is if you asked me then, I would say no. I, right. I felt very normal. I remember having conversations with friends and talking about, I don't know how anyone would ever get depressed. I don't know how anyone would ever experience anxiety. But looking back now, there were signs. And right. I think I was experiencing more than I realized. I just right. wasn't in touch with what was going on. Right. So, you know, growing up, did you feel, you know, sounds like you felt like you're pretty confident then. Yeah, I would say I, I was mostly confident, uh, especially in the later years of high school. I think initially growing up um, in my younger teen years, and especially as a kid, I definitely was a little more quiet. I had some shyness and uh, I was a little insecure in that way, but it wasn't anything that was over the top. It didn't cripple me. Right. Okay. So did it, did it tend to get worse though than as you got older then? So I feel like it actually got better. As, as, I, as I got older and went through high school, I really started to come out of my shell more um, okay. and, and just got more comfortable talking to other people, really uh, being more confident in myself. And so that was something that just slowly came out as I got older, but uh, it was definitely a process and it was a slow process at that. 
Yeah. So did you get any type of help back then or is it just something you just kind of worked through on your own? That was something that just happened totally on my own. It was something that I recognized in myself. So I at least had that inside. I knew that I didn't want to let that feeling of insecurity control me. Yeah, the, the insecurities that I did experience when I was younger, I just recognized them and I realized that they weren't something that I wanted to let rule my life. And right. they, it was something that I knew I wouldn't let hold me back. And I knew that the life that I wanted was on the other side of that fear. Right. Okay. Well, that's good. That uh, so. But you you mentioned in your you know information that you had sent to me that this was, it sounded more crippling than you're making it sound now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it it really didn't hit me till I was 19. It okay. didn't hit me till after high school. Right. So let's talk about that for a minute. Like mm-hmm. what 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 was going on at age 19 that maybe, that you were dealing with that maybe you started recognizing how things started getting worse. So it it really came out of the blue, and I think. It was something where I was engaging in unhealthy behaviors for a really long period of time, and all of a sudden it just hit a breaking point. So what were the unhealthy behaviors? So I I think a lot of the unhealthy behaviors were really, I think what it came down to was being reactive instead of proactive in life. And I felt like I was living more of a fear-based life, so essentially I would get impulses or um, fears would pop into my head and I would just react to them. And it, it, it could come down to even like thought-based fears. Like if you had just like a any random fear come into your head and, and thinking, you know, this is defining me as a person, this mm-hmm. thought or this feeling. And I think I, I tried to control my feelings a lot. I tried to control, you know, if I was feeling discomfort, so something like anxiety or if I was feeling down, I felt like I had to get rid of that feeling. And so that's what was really damaging in the long run. And eventually it just hit a breaking point and I ended up having a panic attack. And that's what really kicked things off. Okay. So so it's more you were just dealing with the way you were thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. So, but not necessarily doing any, you know, you mentioned these unhealthy behaviors. Mm-hmm. So it was more just to your thinking? So it was mostly thinking uh, when I was younger. Once once things uh, really got out of control and I had that first panic attack, that's when things became a little bit more extreme. And I mean, some of the examples, especially with OCD, uh, my early signs, I, I used to love to check locks and things like that. Like before I'd go to bed, I was kind of the one in charge of locking up the house. Okay. And sometimes I would feel this impulse to, after I'd already checked, I wanted to check again. And it's like I, I felt like I never had checked in the first place. And mm. basically the worry of what could happen if I don't check. And so okay. that's, that's just like a really basic example there. Sure. Um, but it, it was that type of thinking that really infiltrated a lot of the different areas of my life. So, I mean, it could be um, socially, if, if I felt like I had maybe offended someone with something that I, I said, I felt like I needed to go clear things up with them. I felt like I right. really needed to like double check on that relationship. And it's something where the more I engaged in that type of behavior and I went and checked or I went and tried to control something, the more it really solidified that pattern in my head and and made it easier to have that happen in other areas of my life. And that's what kind of slowly started to get out of control, um, especially after I had that initial panic attack. Because when I had the panic attack, I had a really high level of anxiety that just stayed with me. And having that level of anxiety, it really made me feel like I had to do something about it. I had to get rid of it. And it caused me to do all these different, what we call compulsions in the world of OCD and anxiety. Uh 
And it's essentially anything that you're doing to control your thoughts or your feelings, try to get them to go away. And so those were the type of behaviors that I was engaging in and they can be in the physical realm. So things like actually physically checking a lock sure. or thought-based, like an example of thought-based um, compulsions would be rerunning conversations in your head to make okay. sure, you know, you, you didn't say something dumb or right. anything <laughs> like that. And so it, it can really manifest itself in a ton of different ways. Yeah. And, and people get really hung up on themes and, and different types of OCD, but the underlying pattern is very much the same. Gotcha. Wow. Very well said. Thank you for sharing that part. So this started, you notice around age 19, um, you, you mentioned you went on a mission, but you actually came home from it early because mm -hmm. of these issues and basically kind of what you were saying, you were, you were going through these thought based and also even the physically based compulsions. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and being on, on a mission, that's something I was involved with, uh, just with my faith and, Really, I think the stresses of that is what really kind of brought everything out. It made me feel like I needed to control even more. And so engaging yeah. in those behaviors even more is what eventually brought it out. Yeah. And then it all it's also what allowed me to go down that hole more, I think, because I didn't understand why I had a panic attack. I didn't understand what the panic attack was. Right. I still probably wouldn't have told someone that I was experiencing anxiety. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah. And so I think a lot of what led me down the wrong path was even just trying to figure out what had happened. Right. And, and right. I was rerunning that, that experience in my head over and over, over and again. over and over. Yeah. And it was, it was just this cycle and there was no end to it because there was no answer. Yeah. Wow. So how long did this last for? So you, 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 you know, obviously you're doing much better now in your life and you've got this company that you're doing that deals with these kind of things. So, this started around age 19, you said. Mm -hmm. How many years did you go get into this where it was a, a battle for you? So it was a serious battle when I, I first came home from the mission. I uh, remember trying to get help, and I, I had seen a few counselors, a few therapists, and I felt like they were helpful to some degree, but mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I was getting real solid skills that I could implement in my life. And so I feel like it took probably six months to a year to really get back on my feet and feel comfortable and um, at that point, I was able to hold down a solid job and go to right. school at the same time. So, I mean, I was I was always able to live a, I guess, what you productive. could call like a, a productive life. Yeah. But um, at the same time, there was so much going on under the surface that was really unaddressed. And I think, I mean, it took that year to get back on my feet, but I still was engaging in unhealthy behaviors right. that I just didn't, I didn't recognize them. And it it really i would say it took a solid 6 years of kind of up and up and down to get a more solid understanding of it and it took a lot of seeing different people i eventually found someone who specialized in ocd okay. and they were able to really help me out and and recognize you know how the patterns were manifesting themselves under the surface but even still that was mostly for the things that were bothering me most and gotcha. so what was really helpful was i studied a lot on my own and realized okay, these patterns are actually manifesting themselves in all these different areas of my life that don't necessarily bother me. And that's actually feeding the ones that do bother me. And so uh, being okay. able to recognize how my belief systems and how my, my judgments of thoughts and feelings was affecting everything. And, and it, it's not always in something that's uncomfortable for you. Right. It's amazing how powerful our thoughts are. And how they can they can destroy us or they can lift us up to mm -hmm. you know that peace and that joy and for you to you know kind of go through this it really comes down to you learning to control the way you 
think or or, or learning to not think mm-hmm. almost, right? Controlling that piece. Exactly. Right? Is that fair to say? Absolutely, I would say yeah. so. Yeah. So you, you said you did a lot of studying on your own. What type mm-hmm. of things were you studying and researching, I guess? So from the beginning, I, I had been diagnosed with OCD and anxiety. I think general anxiety disorder as well. Um, just kind of got a whole bunch of labels stamped on me. Which now I don't realize, or I don't feel like is a super helpful thing, um, because it can be easy to, I guess, identify with those labels and and allow yourself to believe that that's going to be a controlling factor in your life. Right. But for me, it was really powerful to just dig deep and and figure out, okay, what are the things that are involved in anxiety and OCD? What are those underlying patterns? Um, how are, how am I being influenced? And so a lot of my study was just around researching that. It was around researching anxiety in general, OCD, um, and and looking at different resources. So people who who had recovered and and realizing that there. When I first realized that there were people out there, yeah. that was that was a big thing. I was like, okay, people are out there who are not letting this run their lives. Wow. And cool. I mean, it was people on YouTube. There were um, some books that I got my hands on, and just general research like that helped yeah. me kind of realize that okay like there are people who who've got got this under their belt they, yeah. they've got it figured out well and what's cool about what you're saying i mean you know social media can be really a, a negative thing in a, in a person's life but and in the internet and that kind of thing but man there's also so much good that can come from it because i mean the amount of research you can do now and the information you'll get back mm-hmm. is amazing it is right and learning from other people who put their stories out there that you can draw from. Mm-hmm. So that, man, that's when, to me, that when that social media becomes very powerful in a good way, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, and it was super helpful for me. Yeah. So how, you know, how did your family handle all this as you were going through this, you know? How did they, you know, did they struggle along with you or they did they like almost like, we don't know what to do or what was their reaction and response to this? Yeah, I think they definitely struggled in the beginning, especially when I was in really bad shape. Um, I think they just saw that and they felt helpless because they had no idea what was going on. I still didn't know what was going on. And so I think them just seeing that and and feeling that helplessness, that was really hard for them. And they were doing everything they could. They were, you know, helping me as I tried to get help and as I learned and and grew and, and they they were overall very supportive in that, but I think it was still really hard for them. Did it did it affect um, your ability to have friends or keep friends or how did talk about that for a minute? So I was still able to maintain friendships. I think it was it was really tough to motivate myself to get out and go do things with friends initially when I when I first got hit with it, because I, right. I just kind of almost had like a, a hit to my self-worth. I felt like, man, if I have like this big issue, it's like this weight I'm attaching to myself and right. I'm almost not worthy of hanging out with friends and, and, you know, maybe I just won't enjoy it. And a lot of it was yeah. really feeling based like that. Like sure. I, I remember thinking hanging out with friends isn't the same as it used to be. I don't yeah. It doesn't feel right. And so that was a big flaw in my, my thinking system was believing that things really needed to feel right. And that, mm. you know, if they didn't feel right, then it's not worth doing. Gotcha. And that was really flawed. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, you know, I've, I've had several other um, guests on here who have struggled with the same things. And they kind of talk about basically the same things you are. And so, again, this is great because I think there's going to be a lot of listeners that will benefit from what they're hearing. 
So as you start to progress through this and you're learning about it, you're studying about it, you're, you're getting some help on the side, you're doing your own research, talk about the transition of where you started to realize, man, I can really control this in a, in a healthy way and, and start to go live, truly live my life and do my own thing. Mm-hmm. So the turning point was that, or the turning point with that was probably when I first met with a counselor who was actually trained in OCD mm-hmm. and they, they helped me realize that putting my focus into all those fears and, and feelings, essentially that's the wrong way to go about it. And it's a really interesting thing because we have uh, such a problem solution mindset in our mm-hmm. society now. And that really is helpful in a lot of ways. But when it comes to OCD, it's not as helpful. Right. And it's almost like the best thing you can do is recognize that those thoughts and those feelings that you may get those don't actually have to run your life. And so it's, right. it's almost like giving up control yeah. is the way that you actually get over it. And so for me, recognizing that I can still live a value-based life with these thoughts and feelings, that's what was really empowering. Yeah. Uh, realizing that, you know, I can experience something that's really, really uncomfortable and I can still choose my values in that moment. And I right. can choose to act in a way that is myself and right. it is the way that I want to be. And yeah. so that's what was really empowering for me. I love that. You know, and, you know, it reminded me of uh, uh, Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now, and he talks about how we're not our thoughts. Mm-hmm. They're just thoughts coming in, and we can either own those and mm-hmm. label ourselves as those, or we can learn to go, you know, that's just because I had that thought doesn't mean I have to, you know, give up my values of who I really am mm-hmm. in those exactly. moments. So that's powerful, very powerful. So as you start learning this, I mean, what what did that ultimately lead up to for you? So what it led to was me just living my values more. And that's what mm-hmm. was the, the most empowering part of it is just that, like, like what you said, like realizing that I'm not my thoughts. I'm not my feelings either. I'm not defined by them. And we can't always control the things that are popping into our bodies and into right. our, our heads. And so recognizing that, you know, we don't have to control it. And having, um, I mean, you can have a negative thought and you can choose what you want to do with yourself after you have it. Right. right? You don't have to dwell on it. And so a huge part was recognizing that and learning the skill of creating space. So giving yourself that opportunity to make that choice. And I think that's one of the hardest parts. And it comes from just building habits over the years. And so I had built up habits of basically experiencing negative emotions, negative thoughts, whatever they are, and immediately responding and immediately going into a reactive mode, feeling like I needed to control them. And so what really helped was actually mindfulness and practicing the ability to just be in the moment with that right. and letting it be there while I made a choice. Right. And, and so creating that space to make that choice was so beneficial. And it really, it really helped me recognize how often it was happening. And I mean, right. it was happening hundreds, maybe thousands of times a day where it's almost like an impulse reaction, impulse reaction. And so what mindfulness, what mindfulness did was it allowed me to create that space in between the impulse and the reaction. Yeah. And it's like, now I can choose. Okay. Yeah. I have this and I don't have to do it. Wow. Love that. Very well said. You know, there's a quote by um, Victor Frankl who wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm, love that book. And he said, between stimulus and response, there is a space. Mm-hmm. And in that space is our power to to choose and that's exactly what you're saying is you started recognizing that there is a, I can create that space right 
Mm-hmm. And, and I think he said it, I think that space is anywhere from two to four seconds mm-hmm. <laughs> to make that dis- decision before we actually respond. Mm-hmm. And it goes along exactly what you're saying. And that's, that's the gift that we have and that's what you recognize. And it's interesting as you're talking how important the awareness, just having the knowledge around what's really going on, how that empowered you to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the awareness was huge. And, and I really attribute that to practicing mindfulness and recognizing that it's a skill. A lot of people think, oh, I'm just not that aware, but it's actually something you can work on. And, you know, that's something that I try to incorporate into my my daily life. And it's something that you can almost do drills for. And that's what, for me, meditation is for. I try to meditate a little bit each day. And what I'm doing with that is I'm just practicing recognizing things that are happening in my head, whether, Mm -hmm. and, and also just physical sensations as well. And I'm just practicing being aware of those while I direct my attention to the here and now. So let's talk about that for a minute. So you're doing this meditation on a daily basis. Talk how that's, how that's has been, you know, how that's been such a great blessing for you in this whole process. Mm -hmm. And overall it's, it, it comes down to being able to create that space like we talked about. And I think that it, it has a cumulative effect. And so I've noticed that the more I, I meditate, especially regularly and daily, it kind of builds up my ability to continually recognize, you know, when things are coming in and what kind of thoughts I'm experiencing and just being able to be in the moment with those yeah. and then choosing, right? And that's what it's all about is building that skill. And that's where, you know, meditation has played a huge role in my life. Yeah. And so being able to do that and, and to practice it and really treat it like any other skill, that's yeah. what's been so beneficial. Yeah. I think a lot of people, when they first try meditation, it's like, like you said, it's a skill. It's going to take mm-hmm. some time and they struggle with it, mm-hmm. you know, and then they give up. It's yeah. like, man, I can't, you know, I have a lot of my clients will say, I can't even sit still for two minutes because my thoughts are going crazy and this and all over the place. And I'll say, well, you're going to have to work it. This is going to take some practice mm-hmm. like anything else. So I'm glad you pointed that out, that you've really worked at making this uh, a skill for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a big part of it is being, I guess, gentle with yourself too and recognizing that you know you can still have compassion on yourself if you're struggling with meditation mm-hmm. or all these other things. You can, right. you can choose that act of self-love while you're going through tough things, while you're trying to build skills, and it, it's not going to be easy. It never, it never is, especially when it comes to something like mental health where you've built up this, this almost like negative pattern for years and years and years usually right. and breaking that is going to be hard. It's going to take a lot of time and yeah. a lot of investment and it's, it's really relentless. It's, it's day yeah. in and day out. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I think that's important for, you know, anyone who's listening that might be struggling with some of these things that not only is it possible to overcome it, but the key is you've going to have to put in some work, some blood, sweat and tears. I mean, I know you've, it sounds like you've put in a lot of effort to get to where you're at today, even with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think putting in that work and, and just recognizing that those things don't have to define you. They don't have to define your actions. I think yeah. the the biggest problem with it is not being willing to embrace the discomfort that comes with, mm-hmm. whether it's anxiety, whether it's uncomfortable right. thoughts, things like that. Love it. So, so this led up to what you're kind of doing now with your company. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about what, why you decided to, to do something for a living to help those 
who are basically going through what you've gone through and and let's talk about your company and what that's all about yeah so uh, again it's it's called building brainwaves and the whole reason that i wanted to start it was like i mentioned before just uh how much i struggled to get accurate information about it and really really understand what was going on and it was tough to get that from a lot of different therapists that I saw, not to say that they weren't helpful in other ways, but there was so much going on that I was just unaware of. And I mean, no one was aware of it. My family couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. A lot of the therapists couldn't see it. And it wasn't until I saw, you know, a trained professional, I started doing that, that research that I was able to figure out, okay, like this is actually influencing my life um, Mm -hmm. in a much bigger way than just what's bothering me. Cause I feel like when we go to a therapist, usually we have something on our mind. There is, there is something that we're saying, okay, this is bothering me. I need to go fix this thing. Right. And usually the therapist addresses that thing. But what happened with me was I realized that, okay, this is actually infiltrating all areas of my life and a lot of different things that maybe even I like, or I, I enjoy like a perfect example of, a behavior that I enjoyed that actually wasn't really helpful for me was I've always been kind of a a business guy and I've loved to get into the creative side of business with marketing and that type of thing. And at night, sometimes I would just let my brain wind up on these (laughs) business ideas and it felt good. It was exciting. It was almost like anxiety in an exciting way. And so recognizing though, that by doing that, I'm allowing my brain to go into this ruminative state where it's just churning and churning and churning. And that's what really fuels OCD is that just like impulse reaction, impulse reaction. And that's what's going on when you're just letting your brain just like wander off and go crazy like that. And so, I mean, there were nights when that would happen and I'd, I would just stay awake for a couple of hours and all of a sudden I wouldn't be able to sleep just Mm. because I was churning so much. And so recognizing that little things like that were actually fueling the negative part as well. Right. And even even though it felt good, it, it was in in a sense kind of a positive experience. I liked turning on those business ideas. It was also affecting my sleep. It was also, you know, it's not something I wanted to be doing in that moment. I would have been better off just going to sleep and, you know, right. being more well rested for the next day. <laughs> and so it was affecting my value based actions. Exactly. And so I think recognizing that though those patterns, they can manifest themselves in ways that we really kind of enjoy but there's still not a really positive pattern yeah that's really been beneficial for me and so recognizing all of that has been just such a a blessing to me and that's what my uh my business called building brainwaves is all about it's all about sharing what i've learned okay so so do you see like individual clients do you do group sessions i mean what what is it all or is it just mainly putting information out there for people to find. Yeah. So right now it's still brand new. I've only been going full time on it for about a month and a half. And basically it's uh, largely social media based. So I do YouTube videos. I I have an Instagram page. And so those are just avenues to put out information to educate people on um, the different things that have helped me. And other than that, I do take on individual clients right now. Mm -hmm. And so that's been something that I've been working on and I've, I've been able to work with a few clients here and there and to just see and, and formulate, you know, how I can articulate the things that have helped me and, and use those to really help other people. And so right now, that's kind of what I'm focusing on is those individual sessions. Okay, gotcha. But the, the hope is to expand into the future and hopefully get into workshops and sure. do 
you know, more group-based things and possibly even get into the corporate world and help educate uh, big businesses and, and help out their employees. So yeah, I, I noticed cool. that a lot of companies are putting money into that now, but it's still very much a reactive thing where it's like an employee right. basically ends up in a pit and yeah. then they go get help. Right. And there's a lot that you can do to prevent them from ever getting in the pit. Getting to that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. So um, how would someone find out more information on your company? What, what would What's the best way to, to look that up? So best way is to probably go to my website, which is just www.buildingbrainwaves.com. Okay. And then also my Instagram page as well. Uh, that's just Building Brainwaves. And then if you search Building Brainwaves on YouTube, you can find me there. Okay. So those are kind of my three main avenues right now. Yeah, and, and you're specializing more in the OCD area? Mm -hmm. So OCD, anxiety, and depression. Okay. I feel like they're, those three are all, they're very related. Yeah. And, and the patterns that manifest themselves within those are all very similar. Right. And so that's kind of where I focus right now. Well, I think it's pretty neat too that you're you're full time. You know, even though it's only been a short period of time, to be able to say you're full time is that's a that's an accomplishment in itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean that's got to feel pretty good knowing you're doing that. Yeah, it's been really rewarding. the The challenge is definitely being able to support myself on it. So right. that's that's <laughs> what we're gonna find out in, in yeah. the next couple of months. You know, For we'll sure. see how much of the bank account gets drained <laughs> before things yeah. turn up. Well, uh, I, yeah, no, I think it's just really cool that you're doing this. You know, um, I, if if someone's listening to this who's going through the same thing you've gone through and they're struggling with OCD or anxiety or depression and they're just not sure what to do and they're, they almost at time, maybe even feel hopeless, they've gone to therapists and it's just not quite working, what advice could you give them? What could you tell them? I think the the biggest piece of advice that I could give is just that you don't have to run away from your feelings. You don't have to chase them either, your feelings mm -hmm. or your thoughts. And a huge part of that is recognizing that you can sit in discomfort and you can you can really experience that to its fullest and, and you can actually really still be yourself in the midst of that. And so I think that's probably one of the biggest things there. And also recognizing that you know you don't have to always try to be in control. So much of what I was doing that was negative was trying to control whether it's thoughts, feelings, um, even even other people, anything like that. Like feeling like you're not in control of a situation is what really drives all these things and, and giving into that feeling of I need to be in control. And right. so recognizing that and then uh, allowing yourself to sit in that discomfort while you don't check, you don't try to control. You don't try and cope with it necessarily. For right. me, the biggest coping mechanism, the, the thing that really helped me was just being with the feeling. I don't need to go take a warm bath to make myself feel better, <laughs> right? I can right. sit with this discomfort and I can do what I want to do in that moment. And yeah. so a really huge thing is, is just shifting your mindset as well to the values of your life and yeah. realizing that you're not a problem that needs to get fixed. And, and that was a really hard thing for me to reconstruct my beliefs around yeah. because I had spent so much time feeling like this is an issue. I am an issue because I have this and I need to fix it and I need to put my energy and my focus into that. Right. And it wasn't until I, I recognized that, okay, you know what? I can actually put my focus and my attention on things that I really care about in life. Right. 
and that's the key it's like taking all that attention off of the thing that you think is the problem because really the underlying problem is your responses it's your judgments it's your beliefs around the thoughts and the experiences that you're having and so really recognizing that and and recognizing that you know what you can you can move forward and choose things that you value in spite of whatever it is that you're feeling there yeah again very well said I, i love great advice too you know i like the part where you said you know learning to just sit in the discomfort and what i what i love about that is it you know we we think you know i work with a lot of clients who you know they can't sit in that discomfort so what do they do they go drink or they go do drugs they don't want to feel that but the the beautiful thing that you're saying there uh, nelson is that when we sit in that it always gets better mm-hmm. like it might be discomfort very uncomfortable in the moment but it always gets better Mm-hmm. Like it always does. Like here you are sitting here in front of me, even right now, and all the hard times you've been through in your life, look at you right now. I mean, you look amazing. Here you are sharing your passion and your beliefs around this now, and you've got this company. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and and it's really amazing what people can do. Yeah. And and that's my favorite part about it is <laughs> that, you know, we we really do have the ability to choose where we want to go in life regardless of our circumstances. And yeah. we can separate ourselves from those circumstances. Wow. And that's been a really powerful thing yeah. for me and, and just to see that in the people that I've worked with as well. Yeah. What, you know, again, very well said. I, I love how, you know, how you you break it down really simplistically. Like it's just very simple, mm-hmm. really. I mean, it might feel hard in the moment of someone mm-hmm. who hasn't done this before because you're you've done this for a minute, so you're getting good at it. But it just... I love how it really is pretty simple when you look at it the mm-hmm. way you're explaining it. Yeah, and, and that's the, the most interesting thing about it is that the principles are really, really simple, but they're so hard to implement, especially on a, a day-to-day basis when yeah. it's all day, every day, and you're getting swamped with yeah. you know, OCD stuff, anxiety, whatever it is. In those moments, that discomfort is real. Yeah. And it's, it, it really, in a sense, it, it is like an addiction where you are just craving that relief and you are craving that that sense of um, reassurance or relief from whatever it is. Yeah. And every time you, you give into that and you get that mild sense of relief, which essentially whenever you do a compulsion like we talked about before, that's what it does is it gives you short-term relief, Yeah. but it also has long-term negative effects. And so in the moment, it might feel good to go double check that door. Now you're sure you're sure it's locked. No one's going to break in, whatever it is. (laughs) But in the long run, it's reinforcing that pattern. And next time you're going to feel like you need to check again. You might you might check three times. You might check four. And so really slowly building up that that pattern is what's the most detrimental thing you can do is give into those impulses. Yeah. But again, it's learning to control that and Mm -hmm. not do that. Yep. And that's, that's where the work comes in. Mm -hmm. So talk about what does a day look like for you? Like describe your day, you know, obviously dealing with these things, but Mm -hmm. give us a little background. What do you do on a daily basis? Yeah. And a really big part of that is recognizing that, you know, there are people who have recovered. It doesn't mean they don't deal with things. Right. Right. And, and that's been a, a huge thing too, is is recognizing that, you know what, I still have uncomfortable thoughts. I still have uncomfortable feelings. And so my day-to-day life is structured around first my values. And a a big part of it is setting myself up for success. So whenever you're making big life changes or you're trying to to maintain them, it's helpful to build up little habits. So 
for me, a big thing is starting off my day in a proactive way. I noticed that if the first thing I let myself do is just like grab my phone and start scrolling through social media immediately, that is setting me up for a day that feels more compulsive. And yeah. and it's just because I'm, I'm giving into that urge of, you know, I feel like wasting time. I'm not ready to face the day yet. And so what I really try to do is the first thing in the morning, it's like I want to get up. I want to do something just like a little bit active to get my brain and body going. So whether right. it's like 50 push-ups, I don't know, jumping jacks or something, yeah. whatever it is to get moving. And then after that, I, I try and do a little bit of reading and I, I fit my meditation in there. I try and do about 15, 20 minutes a day of that. And then I, I get to work and I try not to check my phone until around 11 o'clock. Right. So I'm, I'm trying to really. So it takes a lot of discipline. Mm-hmm. I mean, really what you're doing is exercise and discipline. Mm-hmm. Don't look at your phone. Do these things that will set you up for success. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. And, and really setting up systems around um, that whole situation to help yourself. I think right. that's been a huge thing. So a perfect example is I don't sleep with my phone in the same room. So mm. I have to go and, and physically, I still use it actually as an alarm. It'll wake me up when it's over yeah. um, further away, but I have to get up and get I, have to go, <laughs> I have to go turn it off. And then I make sure that I'm not using it um, for uh, the rest of that morning. And so mm. trying to do that on a daily basis has been really helpful. And so cool. I usually wake up like that and then uh, I start plugging away on whatever it is that I'm working on, mm-hmm. work on that for a little while. And then I, I do make time to jump into social media since that's a big part of what I'm doing. So making sure that, again, it's value-based actions, though. It's really right. easy to sure. jump in there and all of a sudden I'm scrolling on the Explore yeah. feed or whatever. <laughs> so um, a big part of it is just making sure, okay, what's my purpose um, in doing this action, why why am I jumping onto social media right now? Is it to post? Is it to respond to comments? To help adding or to help add value to other people? And making sure that that is my focus and that that's what I'm going on there to do. I do that and then I jump off. And I'm not always perfect with it, but sure. it's it's something that I work on. And so it's another Very way cool. to really start building up that ability and that skill of choosing your values and really working to incorporate that into whatever action it is that you're doing. Yeah. So Man, that's awesome. What, how do you end your, your day? You know, do you have like a, a nightly ritual that you follow or is there certain things you do before you go to bed that kind of get you, you know, ready for the next day or, or for a good night's sleep? Mm-hmm. And that's a, another thing that I think is really important that sometimes people miss. Like if they're, uh, if people are struggling to sleep at night, especially if they have OCD or anxiety, um, a lot of times it's their whole day that's led up to that. Right. And for me, that's what I yeah. noticed when I was struggling yeah. with, with, you know, getting to sleep and, and stuff like that. It's, it was often because I had a very compulsive day. And so, um, I, I kind of put the whole day in kind of its own bucket of like, all right, I'm going to work to not be compulsive and I'm going to work on engaging in value-based actions. And when I, when I'm actually going to bed, I mean, my routine is pretty much, um, just, Put your phone away before you go to bed, you know, at least like mm-hmm. 30 minutes. Try to do that. And then other than that, just kind of wind down and and don't let yourself just like get lost watching YouTube videos or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it's easy at the end of the day to give give yourself a little bit of downtime, yeah. but you don't want let you don't want to let that turn into compulsion time, I exactly. guess. Exactly. Is what great point. Is what I would say. And yeah. and all this um, isn't to say that you can't 
do things you enjoy. I mean, that's what it's really about. I think sometimes when I talk about living a value-based life, sometimes people get the vibe <laughs> that you have to be a, like a workaholic. You have to right. be cranking on stuff all the time, yeah. but that's not the case. I mean, what, I, what I've discovered is living a value-based life is really doing the things that you really, really want to do and that you really care about. So, I mean, that can be making time for friends and family, making time to be in that moment. And that's what's important is if you are making time for family, you're making time for family and you're not, right. you know, off on your phone working on other stuff at the same time. And so yeah. I think that's been a really big thing is just engaging in whatever that value is and recognizing that, you know, it doesn't have to be a work-based thing. I mean, right. sometimes living, I guess, living a value-based life and, and doing different things that I value, sometimes that incorporates, you know, watching a movie sure. or, yeah. you know, watching a sitcom, whatever it is. But when I do that, I'm trying to be in that moment with that. Yeah, and so it. that's what it's about for me. Very cool. Yeah. Being in the moment, man. That's, you know, uh, Buddha has a quote about enlightenment. He says, enlightenment is the end of suffering. And enlightenment is when we are present in that moment. Mm -hmm. So I love that you said that. It's like, I just want to be present with whatever I'm doing in that moment mm -hmm. and how that keeps you from suffering, really, ultimately. Yeah. You know, so very, very cool, man. Um, so if people wanted to reach out to you and, you know, ask you some questions or they want to maybe even look, look into your business, what's the best way to get a hold of you? So I always respond to direct messages on Instagram and then I have a contact form on my website okay. as well. So they, I would say those are kind of the two main areas. Tell um, us your website again and then your, your yeah. social feed. So website is buildingbrainwaves.com and then uh, for Instagram, my handle is just buildingbrainwaves, all linked together one word. Okay. And so that's the really the best place to reach me and I'm really good at, at responding to things there. I do encourage people if they have questions that are specific to mental health, especially specific topics, I, I try and do posts on all the different things that have helped me and I encourage people to reach out with questions on those posts so that oh, okay. other people can see. Can see them as mm -hmm. well because they probably have the same question. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's what I really encourage people to do is just to keep that, that space open and, you know, I want to use it as something that can benefit people who are just like stopping by as well. Right? right. So I definitely encourage people if they do have questions, ask it on there. I mean, if it's something more personal, yeah, I'll answer it through a direct message. Right. But um, I definitely encourage people to go there so that, you know, other people can actually get benefit from whatever it is that they're struggling with. Cause right. that was one of the biggest things for me is I felt like I was on my own. Yeah. It's like I, no one else <laughs> has this. turns out tons of people have this all across the world. So yeah, they, there are so many people struggling with the exact same issue that you are. Well, yeah, and I love that you're willing to talk about it because I think we need to talk more about these things, especially the OCD. I, you know, I hear a lot of anxiety and depression talk, but not as much, um, you know, OCD talk. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad that you're you're out there being that voice, saying, "Hey, here's what I've been going through. I still deal with it on some level, but here's how I've been able to kind of." learn to, to get past it and control it as I move forward in life. Mm -hmm. Again, living your values and enjoying it along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just like you said, enjoying it along the way, I think <laughs> there is something to be said for that. I think yeah. that, you know, when you're going through hard stuff and you're feeling that discomfort, in a sense, there's a way that you can appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, you're, it's not going to last forever, which you can be grateful for, but you can also recognize what you're learning from it you can also appreciate it just for what it is. Yeah. And and 
changing that relationship with your your feelings of discomfort is so big and and recognizing that it's, it's something that can be there and I mean, it's like you can almost make friends with it it's gonna come regardless <laughs> right. of what you're doing you're going to experience it so very cool well, hey, I, I want to thank you, Nelson, for taking the time to, to come share your story and talk about what you're doing. And I, I just I, I and I'm grateful that uh, Andrea, you know, reached out to me and uh, she said you would be great for this. And I and I agree after hearing this now. And I'm very, very impressed. Well, thank you. Glad, yeah. glad to come on. It's been an awesome conversation. I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Been a great conversation. So. Thank you so much. Please reach out to Nelson if you have any questions regarding any of this and share this with anyone you might know that's struggling in those areas because this will really benefit them. He's given some great advice, some great tips, but more importantly, he's proof that you can go through these difficult times and rise above them. So, man, thank you again for taking that time. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I really do appreciate it. You betcha. Thanks, listeners, for all your support. And uh, until next time, thank you.